Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Happy birthday! Uh, if we haven't met, some of you came in late. My name is Ali, my beautiful wife and I, five years ago, uh, started this crazy place called Bold Church. If you're new to church, let me tell you, we created this place for not only Christians to grow in their faith, but unchurched people to explore their faith. Um, the vast majority of people that started this church five years ago, we did not become Christian until our mid-20s, which means we know what life is like outside of the church. We know the objections to faith, the questions about faith. We know how nervous you are. Some of you, your booty's like, mm, when you're in here. And you're nervous, and you're scared. Listen, this is a place where you can belong long before you believe. You know, you can, you can, we're just going to give you Jesus. We're not going to call you up and have you introduce yourself to everyone. Maybe we might do that. Uh, but today is a special Sunday, because not only is it our, our birthday Sunday, but historically it's called Vision Sunday. And uh, what we do every year around Vision Sunday is we cast the vision, we cast the theme for the new year. And at our, at our first anniversary of 2018, our first birthday, it was the cost of revival. And we talked about it. If God wants to do something new, God wants to do something fresh, there's a cost to this. And our second year, the theme was the miracles happen here. And part of the reason behind that was because we were just seeing so many people come to faith. And then in 2020, after about 40 weeks online, it was the promise. It still stands. And we may not be able to see, we may not be able to gather in person, but God's not done. He's still doing it. And then in 2021, after we spent 60 weeks online, about another year at 5 o'clock, God gave us a prophetic word. He's not done. We even wrote a song about this prophetic declaration. And God has given us a fresh word. You guys are excited to hear it today. Uh, I'm ready to... Normally, I I teach. I'm going to preach today. So I'm going to yell a little bit. Help me preach today's sermon. Amen. Uh, before we begin, I just need to show show of hands. If you've been coming for about four years now, show of hands. If you put your hand up high, four, okay, four years, four years. Put your hand down. Three years. Anyone been here for three years? Okay, very cool. Two years. All the COVID people are gone. One person. Okay, very cool. <laughs> one year. You you join us at five o'clock. You've never been at eleven a.m. Oh, a few of you. Okay. How about one month? Anybody join us in the last month? Okay, very cool. Yeah. Anyone's first time on Sunday? We need you to come up this morning. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Just testing you for listening. Uh, the verse is on the screen. Someone, when you see it, someone shout amen. 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 The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will, be, you will come to life. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, someone say suddenly. That's a preacher word right there. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones 
of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind. Someone say winds. Son of man, speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and he breathed, and the breath came into the bodies. They all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. And I want to preach on Vision Sunday, a vision for our church, a fresh vision about what God wants to do. And for those of you who have been with our church for historically for more than a year, you know that every Friday before Vision Sunday, we do this thing called Vision Builders Gala. And I want to encourage you, we're still having Vision Builders. It's just happening in November. Because uh, I want to give you the theme of the year, and then I want to tell you what we're going to be doing next year later on. I want to separate the, the State of the Union address from the, from the theme and what God prophetically wants to speak to us. Amen? Yeah. I believe it is not just a word for our corporate body, but it's a word for your, your faith, your walk, your kids, your marriage. God wants to do something. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, because I, a great theologian, MC Hammer, says we've got to pray just to make it today. Thank you, Jesus, God, that you are alive and well. God, I, I'm grateful, God, that I spent the first 24 years of my life not knowing who you were, not even believing in you, Jesus, but you revealed yourself to me. And God, you created this place, God, so that those who are far from you, those who don't believe in you, those who doubt, who question you, God, could come and hear the word of Lord. That they, they come in dry, but they can leave filled, Jesus. I pray, Jesus, that you would use me this morning, that you would speak to those, God, that are not just far from you, but are in the house of God, that are, that are in the church, but are not in Christ. God, do something among us today. We want to leave this place looking more like you, talking more like you. And everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Can we make some noise for Jesus on, on our birthday? Uh, in, in the mid-1800s, a man by the name of Charles Blondie, he's on the screen, was a, a showman. Uh, he was the, the modern-day entertainment. Today, if you want entertainment, you stream it. Back then, you had to actually leave your house. It's so archaic. Dinosaurs were roaming the land. And, uh, Charles Brody was a showman. He, he was, a, a, if you can tell, a, a tightrope walker. And he did a bunch of different acts. He'd get in a, a, a potato basket, and he'd, he'd hop across the line. And sometimes he'd put buckets on his feet, and he'd walk across. One time he even took a skillet and made fried eggs in the middle of this. But his most famous act was he created a tightrope from over Niagara Falls, from Canada to the U.S. And because he's a showman, he, he pulled one of these out, a wheelbarrow. I haven't... Use one of these in a long time. Actually, I've, I've never used one of these in my life. <laughs> Come on, I'm a techie. I'm a master with my thumbs, not my hands. My hands are actually softer than my wife's. Come on. Just, just being honest. Uh, Charles Brody did something amazing. He grabbed the wheelbarrow and he walked across the tightrope. And when he came back, because he's a showman, he chanted to the crowd. He said, raise your hand if you believe. I can walk across the tightrope. And they all said, we believe. He said, how many of you believe I can walk across with the wheelbarrow? And they all said, we believe. And the show of hands, who's willing to get in the wheelbarrow? And everyone went, oh. And that's the difference between trust and belief. There's a lot of Christians in the house that you believe Jesus is God, but you're unwilling to get in the wheelbarrow. 
See, this wheelbarrow is a picture of your faith. That you, you gotta, if you really believe Jesus is who he says he is, he's not just a prophet, he's not just a good man, he's God in the flesh. Faith is getting, not in the crowd, being around the Christians, but getting in the wheelbarrow. And there's a difference between belief and faith. Faith is an action. Belief is just some mental thought. And this is the context in which we find ourselves in Ezekiel chapter 37. For those of you that don't know, Ezekiel is what theologians call a major prophet. And yes, there are minor prophets. And they're maybe not as cool. Ezekiel, in his days, he's a spiritual influencer. He is the number one follow prophet on Instagram. We may have T.D. Jakes and Billy Graham or Rick Warren. Ezekiel was that guy. He had the most followers on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook. Everyone was following him. He had a massive ministry. But what most people don't understand about Ezekiel is that the timeline in which he lived, everyone knows Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ezekiel lived in the same time. When, when Daniel was taken to exile, Ezekiel was taken to exile. When Daniel was a 14-year-old boy, Dan, Ezekiel was a man. And they both were in exile. And the books that they wrote are, are at the exact same time during a very dark, hopeless time in the history of Israel. In Ezekiel's book, it's 47, 48 chapters. It's, if you read it, the first 33 are, are doom and gloom. Turn or burn. Come back to Jesus. And he's just preaching repentance. It's this hard message. You've turned your back on God. You've turned your back on God. And then from chapter 33 on, it, it, the tone shifts. And the question is, well, why is Ezekiel not preaching hope? What happened? And there's twofold. Number one, Ezekiel, the walls of Jerusalem in the southern kingdom were destroyed, but then the northern kingdom were destroyed. So all of Israel, everything is gone. The walls are gone. The city's gone. But now the temple of God is broken. So now you don't have a people. You don't have walls. You don't even have church to go to. And the people are hopeless. And Ezekiel has a radical encounter with God, and he begins to preach hope to people who are hopeless. And Ezekiel 37 is the pinnacle of that hope. It's the most vivid image in the, in the scriptures. In Ezekiel chapter 37, it, it says this, the Lord took hold of me and he carried, he, and I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Someone say bones. bones. Someone shout bones. Bones, 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 bones. Bone. It's a senior pastor dad joke. Come on. I'm okay with those jokes. I hope if you know that this is that kind of church. We're a bunch of millennials trying to bring Jesus back again. Uh, and, and, and Ezekiel comes and he's, he's you got to understand, this is a vision. This is not happening in real life. Ezekiel is carried in the spirit. We don't know if this is a dream. We don't know if this is like a, 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 a he's dreaming in, in, his, in his sleep. But this is a vision that God is trying to show him. And God is trying to show you something. Some, oftentimes, God will use a prophetic vision to speak a spiritual reality We're using physical things. And these bones, in a moment, I need to tell you, there is significance in them. Because why? Here's, he led me around them among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. Someone say, dried out. Dried out. See, you got to understand that there's significance going on. In, in our, our mind, we see dry bones. God sees something different. Dryness in the Bible is is there's spiritual significance there. It's the absence of God. It's the absence of his presence. It's the absence of his blessing and his hand and favor on his life. Does that mean water is something? Yes, water is a sign of his favor. We don't believe that though, because in our valley, in, our, in, our, in Texas Silicon Valley, when it doesn't rain, when our cupboards are empty, we don't pray for rain. We, we open up our iPhone and Instacart meals to us. 
And if we're hungry, we, we door dash something. We don't look at water as a sign of an invisible God providing for us. But in an agrarian culture where there was no Whole Foods, where there was no iPhone, if it didn't rain, you didn't eat. So how do you see an invisible God providing for you? He provided rain. And in the same way that you and I don't see rain as a sign of God, we don't see dryness as the absence of God. And what God is saying is this is a picture of what life looks like without me. It's so interesting that when the devil met Jesus, he was in a dry place. And in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus, when you cast out a demon, send it to the dry place. Why? Because demons love dry services. They love dry churches, dry preaching, dry worship, dry religion. That's why Jesus, when he describes a relationship with him, it's living waters. God wants to show you something. God wants to speak something to you. And he gives us this picture. Well, who is this story all about? Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 11 says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. This is the church. See, Ezekiel has the largest ministry in Israel. He, he is the most popular, the most followed person. He's preaching every Sunday in the, to a packed, crowded house. And he sees tons of people. And God says, all I see are dry bones. And it's so easy to, to be in church but not in Christ. So easy to be around Christians but to have God far from your, from your heart. And so often we, we build a life where God is something that we just add to the things that we do. And I wrote down like this, church is it's not about giving God your Sunday. It's about giving God your life. And anything less than that is dry. We, we will build our life on, on a 401k, on a big house, a car. And that's what's called the American dream. That's not God's dream for you. And, and so many people in this room, you're in church, but you're spiritually dry. You, you have a smile on your face, but you're depressed. No one can tell, though, because that's the thing about spiritual dryness that no one sees it. Only God, God is showing Ezekiel a, a present reality that is only seen in the spirit. So you can come to shoes, church in a nice outfit, fresh shoes, be like, oh, my gosh, you look so good. God looks at you and says, your heart is so far from me. You're dry. Maybe you're here this morning and your, your marriage is, is broken. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're depressed and your joy is gone. Maybe your passion for God is not where it used to be. And I love that God is not saying these things to condemn Israel. He's saying these things because he wants to bring life. These are his people. And this is a safe place to not be okay. Amen. And I love the, the very next words. Um, Ezekiel chapter 37. Then he said to me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Ezekiel. I know that Israel's broken. I know that the walls of Jerusalem are gone. I know that, that the city has been burned down and you are hopeless. And all you see is dryness. But do you believe that I can walk across this tightrope with a wheelbarrow, Ezekiel? Son of man, do you believe that if you get in the wheelbarrow, I can bring these bones back to life? See, Charles Brody and Jesus are asking the same question. And I wonder this morning, very prophetically, if I can ask this question, what's dead in your life? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your joy. Maybe it's your love and passion for God. Maybe it's a relationship with your father that's broken. Maybe it's a, a brother or sister who's just living a life that keeps you up at night. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your career. What's that area of your life that you're hopeless about? That you have no joy anymore? 
that you stopped praying about that thing because you don't even have hope that God can turn it around. And that's the prophetic word that Ezekiel is being spoken to by God. I can bring dead things. It's very easy to bring a corpse back to life. But do you believe God, Ezekiel, that can bring dead bones back to life? What's dead in your life that you stop praying about? The heart of this message is to encourage some people that need encouragement. And I love that the words of God that he says in Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 1 says, The Lord took me. Someone say, took me. And he carried me away by the Spirit. God brought Ezekiel here. You're not alone. And so often when we see the brokenness in our marriage, we see the brokenness in our family, we see the brokenness in our finances, we think we're alone. You are not alone. God has never left you or forsaked you. And it's so easy to let the circumstance lie about your, the character of your God. And so often we think, because my marriage is broken, because my finances are broken, God doesn't love me so easy to question the heart of God based on what you're experiencing. Let me remind you, Jesus died for you on a cross long before you were in church. And the Bible doesn't say that he, he died for his friends. He died for his enemies. He died for us before we came to church, before we read the scriptures, before we even listened. God loved us before we were in this room, before we even knew his name, which means you, you, whenever you doubt, whenever you question the goodness of God, look to the cross. So often Christians, just like Ezekiel, this man is a, a prophet of God. He is questioning the goodness of God. This man has stopped praying. This man is, 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 has no hope in a hopeless situation. And it's so easy for me to be up here and tell you, oh my gosh, here's how not, not to have a, a valley-free life. Just pray these things and you'll never have pain in your life. Just pray these things you'll never get sick. That's called the prosperity gospel, by the way. That if you have enough faith, if you pray these things, then you'll never get sick. It's not a real gospel, by the way, because God's the God of the mountaintop and he's the God of the valley. He's the God on your wedding day. He's the God at your spouse's funeral. He's the God when your child is born. He's the God when you get divorced. He's the God of the good times and the God of the bad times. I don't know why valleys come up, but I do know that God can work all things for the good of those that love him. And I came to remind some people that are in the valley that you have lost hope, that you have stopped praying, you have stopped believing. It's on the other side of the valley. When you look back, you realize God never left you or forsaked you. And there's something that happens in the valley that can't happen outside of it. I wrote down like this, fruit doesn't grow on mountaintops. They only grow in the valley. See, when you're climbing Mount Everest, there are no apple trees up there. They're only in the brokenness. That's why it's called Silicon Valley. Do you know this valley before it was techie? It was filled with orchards. What a prophetic word. That, that fruit only grows in the valley. It only grows in the pain. See, you and I love comfort. God loves our calling. We hate pain. God loves the gain. I'm trying to remind some people that the valley does not mean that God doesn't love you. The valley is a sign that he, he does love you, that he is doing something. And there's something that happens in the valley that you and I hate. We, we hate pain. We, we love comfort. We, we sit in a comfortable chair with a comfort thermometer, eating comfort food. Amen. I, I, I'm 41. I've ne- I rarely go to the gym right now. But I've heard that the gym helps some people. I've heard. It's a rumor. I don't have biceps like Gerson over here, you know? I'm not, I'm not swole like Sohel. But you don't get big and strong walking around the gym, hanging out by the equipment. You have to actually lift the weights, and it's painful, and it's hard. And there's something that God does in the valley that he can't do outside of it. 
There's something that God wants to show you and build in you that if you don't quit, you'll look on the backside of it and say, my God is faithful. My God is good. My God can resurrect dead things. Amen. That's what this sermon is all about. And I love it in Ezekiel 37. It says, son of man, can these bones become living people again? I came to ask some people, can God resurrect your dead marriage? Can God break that addiction? Can God break your depression? Can God heal your relationship with your father? Maybe that business you started before COVID that's, that's hanging by a thread, can God resurrect that? What about your relationship with your spouse? There's so many areas of our life that when we see it, we see dry bones. And God sees, we, you and you know, I see a hopeless situation. God sees the opportunity for a miracle. And I love that the Bible is filled with stories of people just like us, that, that they were presented with impossible situations, that God did a miracle, and the same miracle working God back then is the same miracle working God today. I love the story of the Israelites, that they spent 400 years in, in slavery. For 400 years, they cried out, God, rescue us. God, save us. And then imagine your whole life you've been a slave. And God loves his children so much, he didn't just come once. He came 10 times with 10 plagues to rescue his lost kids from the, the, the bondage of slavery. Imagine you're a slave and you're watching your God fight for you. And then imagine being in the wilderness, that God is a cloud to cover the heat of the sun by day, and he's a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire by night to keep you warm in the desert. And he brings you to the desert land and says, all of this land is the land of milk and honey. All of it's yours. And Moses sent 12 men out, and they saw giants. They saw men of, that, that were larger, more powerful than the Israelites, and they said, all we see are dry bones. This is impossible. And two men said, God can do it. The same God that brought us out of Egypt is the same God that can do this. And I'm here to declare some people, if God did it for Jesus, God can do it for you. If God did it for me, he can do it for you. And it all depends on what you see. Some of you, I'm not saying that your, your depression is small. I'm not saying that your marriage isn't broken. I'm not saying deny your, your giants. I'm just saying God is bigger than your giants. I'm not saying you look at your value and say, oh, this is not real. Faith is not blind faith. Faith is not denying reality. Faith is saying, I see it, but I believe my God is bigger. Yeah. That's what God is trying to show Ezekiel. All you do, Ezekiel, is talk about the valley. All you do is talk about the bones. Why don't you start talking about the size of your God, Ezekiel? Yeah. Some of you, you've been depressed for months, and you've never told it to shut up. Some of you, all you do is talk about the brokenness of your marriage, the brokenness of your faith, the brokenness of your family, and God wants to give you a prophetic word. And this is a man of God named Ezekiel. Listen, He's paid to be good. He's not good for nothing like you guys. He has doubts. But in that moment, he can't feel it because faith is not a feeling. I need to tell you the story of this church. Because just like Ezekiel, I, I see dry bones. I see a hopeless situation. See, when I was 24 years old, um, I finally believed in the God of the Bible. That God is, is a real God. As a 24-year-old alcoholic, addicted to porn, massive anger problems. God radically changed my life. It was like a light switch went off. It was darkness, and I completely changed. The Friday nights were the bars and clubs, and, the, and on Sunday, by, when I became a Christian, I was spending time in bars and nobles trying to read books about Jesus. And that, that, that transformation has never changed. But something happened. I became domesticated. I, I became an American Christian, where you go to an ugly building on Sundays for an hour, and you sing songs from Australia. Come on. 
And church is, is where you do karaoke for an hour and then you go home. And now I'm realizing that God is not just wanting my Sundays. He wants my life. Amen. And the church is not a building I go to. I'm the church. Amen. I remember as a 24-year-old, 25-year-old, downtown Campbell. It's gone now. It's called the Sonoma Chicken Coop. <laughs> it's a good reason it went out. The food was terrible. But I went on two vacations. I was 25, 26-year-old engineer making 100 grand, just crazy money. But I had no mission. I had no purpose. I had no calling in life. I went from one vacation to the next, one thing to the next. And all I did with my Christian friends is, where are we going to go next summer? And I remember I went to Hawaii once, and then I went to Mexico, and it was this cush, comfortable life with no vision, no mission, no purpose. And I was in Sonoma Chicken Coop, literally down the street, and God began to speak to me in this restaurant. And we're getting up and walking to the bathroom saying, God, what are you saying? And remember God asked me this question, and that question is the heart and reason why this church started. God said, when are you going to re- help me rescue my lost kids? That's what this church is all about. It's not about us preaching or us singing songs. And yes, we want to be a church that gathers and worships Jesus and glorifies God. Yes, but we exist for those who are not yet here. Because the vast majority of the people that call this church home got saved in this church. And we don't measure ourselves by the size of the room. We measure the size that's not here yet. And as a 25-year-old, I said, God, I'm an engineer. What do you want from me? I remember crying in the bathroom. I want to say like a girl, but girls are stronger. So I cried like a Lakers fan, right? I'm a pastor. I can't lie. Come on. So I'm in this bathroom crying my eyes out. I said, God, what do you want from me? And I just had this idea, how about I give God my vacations until I get married? I'm like, 25, it's going to be like a year from now. Come on. <laughs> Six years go by. Went to Mexico twice. Went to Turkey. Went to Jordan. Went to Iran. Went to L.A. at the Dream Center once. Every time I went on a mission trip, my heart for God grew and my, my love for lost people kept growing. People say, why did you start a church? Why did David kill Goliath? Because he learned to kill the lion, the bear, and then Goliath. God was training me. God was developing me. And as a 30-year-old man, I, I realized that either I go into the church or I go in the tech world. I needed direction. I had this spiritual gift of entrepreneurship. I wanted to start something. Do I do it for Jesus or do it in the tech industry? Because both of them are holy to God. Some of you business leaders need to realize what you're doing is just as important as what I'm doing. It's not that the holy people are here. It's that you and I are the holy nation, the royal priesthood. And it doesn't matter what you do. It's just who you do it for that matters. And I wanted to give God my life, not just my son. Is God, what do you want to, me to do for my life? So I needed direction. So I fasted for three days. Went to a conference. Remember that. I'm going to tell you about a conference that I want you to experience. Went to a conference, but I fasted for three days saying, Jesus, give me direction. Just as Moses had a burning bush experience. Some of you Californians, this is a different burning bush I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I heard the voice of God. And he said, I want you to start a church for unchurched people. And that's why you're in this room. Because I was in Redding, California, fasting for three days, and the, the, the living God met me. And he saw you before I saw you. And he loved you before I even knew who you were. And he wanted to create a place where not only you can come, but your wife can come, and your kids can come, and your friends could come. A place where you can worship Jesus and be crazy just the way you are. Yeah. And I remember... As a 30-year-old man, I had to leave engineering. I hope this doesn't fall over. (laughs) Didn't practice. And I got in the wheelbarrow. I'm going to do low center of gravity. 
And I remember I, as a 30-year-old dude making 100 grand a year, I said, God, I'll leave it all to be a pastor for you. And I don't know if you know this, but to start a church in Silicon Valley takes a, a million dollars. And we only raised 400000 And I got in the wheelbarrow when we didn't have enough money. And most church plants, they need 40, 50 people. We had 25. And I got in the wheelbarrow. And we went to Santanero when no one has ever planted a church in Santanero. They're like, is this going to work? I'm like, this is, we're in the wheelbarrow with Jesus. If we fall out, he's going to control my life. It doesn't matter. I'm, I, it's safer in the wheelbarrow than outside of it. And then we did some crazy things. Let me show you this billboard that we did. This is, a, this is the ethos of our church. <laughs> Saying, oh God, in bed. Come on, it's not church. Come to center set. And some of you will get angry when you see this. I love this because 50 people who were far from God came to our church. 20 of them got saved. 10 of them got baptized. That became, that billboard became the, the, to this day, I still go to coffee shops and go, where do you pastor? I go, oh, Santana Road. They're like, you're the pastor of that church with a billboard. I go, yes, because it's a badge of honor that I'll do anything short of sin to reach people who are far from God. And the, the heart of this church, this church was birthed by one person, my wife and I, getting in a wheelbarrow when it was scary. But then let's be real. COVID happened. And we got in the wheelbarrow, did online church. We call it Netflix church. Looks like a fire, sounds like a fire, doesn't have the heat of a fire. Yeah. And then we did six, then we did 5 p.m. church. And again, we got in the wheelbarrow. Like, is 5 p.m. going to work? We didn't know. And we went from a 200-person church to a 65-person church. I said, I think, Jesus, you got the wrong man. I went from faith to depression. I went from this is my dream job to this is, I want another job. And see, we can talk about doing church at 5 o'clock for like a few weeks. We did it for 18 months. And let's just be real this morning. We rarely grew. I mean, we grew, but more people were leaving than they were coming. And something happens when you do church like that for that long. It's like a, a grinder. It just like slowly eats away your hope, your faith. I remember there came a point in the pandemic where my wife and I were in a discussion. Some of you call it an argument. I call it a discussion. <laughs> it could be real this morning. Come on. And I said something out loud that I was, I'm embarrassed, but I need you to hear it. I said, our church is dead. It doesn't matter how much I fast. It doesn't matter how much I pray or what I preach. I can't move people anymore. I remember my wife. This is why you need to get a good Christian wife. She's like, what does God say? She wasn't denying my reality. She was just saying, but God is the one who can bring dead bones back to life. Amen. And the reason why I'm still standing here and I did not quit is because God spoke something to me that I'm believing will help you in your situation. So I've got to ask the question again, what's dead in your life? What do you have no hope for? Is it your depression? Is it your marriage? Is it your addiction? that thing you don't even pray about anymore. Maybe it's your spouse sitting next to you that you want them to experience the life in Christ that you've experienced. Maybe it's your brother who's living a life that is just breaking your heart. Maybe it's your father that you haven't spoken to him in years and there's no hope in your heart that reconciliation can ever happen. What are you not praying about? And God's saying, I can do it. That was my introduction, by the way. Y'all ready for the sermon? Let's go. Talk about it. Ezekiel 
chapter 37, verse 3. Then he said to me, son of man, can these bones become living people? I love the answer of Ezekiel. Oh, sovereign Lord, only you know the answer to that. It's like, maybe. <laughs> like, you're God, not me. I love that Ezekiel's saying yes with a question mark. Have you ever been to church where like, like you, you, all you can do is, ah, you just squeal sometimes? And, and the louder you squeak, the less faith you have, actually. I, I love that the worship music's loud because there are times I'm in front of the room, I'm like, ah! Right? Because there are times you can't say yes. I love that Ezekiel doesn't say, yes, of course I believe in the promises of God. I'm persuaded by the scriptures. Hallelujah. I would have turned the page to Ezekiel 38 if that was Ezekiel's answer. But this is a man of God. This is the most spiritual, the most faithful man in Israel. And he's like, I don't know. I'm hopeless. And it gives men broken like me hope that I can give God my broken faith. I can give God my maybe. And God does not, it doesn't matter about the size of my faith. It matters about the object of my faith. He goes to Ezekiel, goes to God and says, you can do it because I clearly can't. Maybe, because there are times in our life when God says, can I do this in your life? You're like, yes. Can I bless your finances? Heck yes. Can I bless your business? Let's go. Can I bless your sex life? Double portion, Jesus. Can I change your marriage? Ah! You know that woman you gave me? You, you, only you know. Husbands look straight, okay? Don't. There's a velociraptor looking, that's going to attack you from the side if you turn. Because there are times in our life when God asks the question, we know the answer. And then there are times I want to encourage you, it's okay to say maybe to God. So many people are afraid to get in the wheelbarrow because you think you need to have strong faith, perfect faith, amazing faith. I wrote down like this. It's on the screen. You don't get great faith until you give God your small faith. You don't have amazing faith until you give God your broken faith. You don't have big faith until you get in the wheelbarrow with your small faith. Because faith is developed here, not out here. Because anybody can look and like, oh, that's scary. No, no, no. It's not scary until you get in. Because there's a difference between trust and faith. And just like Charles Brody, God's asking you, are you willing to get in the wheelbarrow? I love that the scriptures talk about Jesus teaching his disciples again and again and again how to grow their faith. There's this one time in, in the book of Mark where he's talking and teaching to 5,000 people, and he's been with them all day. And Jesus says he had compassion on them. And then just, if you don't know this about the scriptures, in the, old, in, the, in the New Testament, they only count the men. Don't know why, but there's probably women and children there. Theologians argue that there's probably 15 to 20,000 people hearing Jesus teach. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, how much food do we have? I want to feed these people. And they're like, what do you mean how much food do we have? Is my name Kroger or is my name Matthew? What are you talking about? <laughs> how much food do we have? He's like, did you hear me, Jesus? Even if we don't have enough money in all of our bank accounts to buy food for enough of these people. And Jesus says, how much food do we have? And the disciples bring five loaves and two fish. And the Bible says that they gave it to Jesus by faith. Someone say by faith. And God took their not enough faith, their small faith, their broken faith. I don't know if this is going to work faith. And God took it, he broke it, and he blessed it. Some of you are worried that you need to have perfect faith. You need to be the faith of a, a, a pastor. 
You can bring your small faith, your broken faith. As long as you get in the wheelbarrow, God can use it. Amen? Some of you are afraid because you're like, I'm afraid, Pastor. I'm going to take a step of faith once the fear goes away. Let me tell you a secret that most pastors won't tell you. Fear and faith, they're knocking boots. Fear slid in the DMs of faith, and now they're sleeping together. You can't have one without the other. The only reason you need faith is because you have fear. If you don't have fear, you don't need faith. You have facts. Jesus doesn't say, get facts, and then get in the wheelbarrow. He says, give me, you have the faith, son of man, that can resurrect these dead bones. And you need to realize that, that fear is not the absence of God, but you obey God in the presence of fear. And some of you are waiting for the feelings to come. Some of you are waiting for the, the faith to get larger. Listen, most of the time, the people of God are terrified. They have small, broken faith, but they get in the wheelbarrow. Because yeah. the miracles can't happen until you get in. Yeah. Too many of you in this room, you're, you're waiting. You're waiting for the feelings. You're waiting for the perfect time. It doesn't happen like that. See, I wrote it down like this. Faith requires a backbone, not a wishbone. <laughs> faith is scary. Faith makes your booty go, mm. That's actually a sign that you're in the right direction, the, the clenching of those cheeks. Because if you're not scared, you're probably not doing something big for God. Your vision is too small. You can do it on your strength, on your intelligence. But God will often bring you to a life where he will not give you a life that is, makes him not necessary. That your education can't solve, your, your degree can't solve, your money can't solve, your good looks can't. God will put you in a situation with dry bones that only he can solve. And you're supposed to be afraid because you realize I'm not enough. The culture will tell you, you're enough. Oh my gosh, you're a snowflake. You're not. Jesus is enough. And you can sit in the wheelbarrow afraid. You can give him your maybe, and that's where God does the miracle. And then God tells Ezekiel two things, and these two things are the things that you need to do to your valley of dry bones. Ezekiel. 37 verse 4, then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. Someone say the word. word. Come on, get my Spanish. We'll say la palabra. palabra. Come on, there's a lot of Mexicans in the room. I I think it's because I love Taco Bell and they just come. (laughs) This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he spoke me suddenly. Someone say suddenly. As I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each came, of each body came together and attached themselves to complete skeletons. The first thing you need to do to resurrect dead bones, number one is this, prophesy the word. Prophesy the word. Now, there's two groups of people in here, depending on your church background. Some of you are very religious and like, oh my gosh, prophecy? What is that all about? And some of you are like praying in tongues, let's go. Some of you are afraid and some of you are too excited. Let me bring balance. This is not about praying in tongues. This is not about a prophetic word during a service. This is not about foretelling the future. This is about God comes to Ezekiel and says, Ezekiel, all you do is talk about the bones. I want you to speak to the bones. And there comes a point in your life where you need to talk to your mountains. Jesus says this in, in Mark chapter 11, 
verse 22. I don't have it on the screen, but I want to read it to you quickly. I apologize. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus is teaching on faith. Someone say faith. I'm trying to stall you while I find this verse. <laughs> Matthew chapter 11, verse 22, and Jesus is speaking, and he says, as they had passed in the morning, they saw a fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. The fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus said to him, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Someone say to this mountain. To this mountain. He didn't say talk about the mountain. He didn't say go on Facebook and Instagram about your mountain. He said talk to your mountain. Some of you need to learn the principle of listening to the word of God and then speaking what God says to you. Let me tell you what prophecy 101 is. You get a word from the word. Do you know why deaf people speak that way the way they do? It's because they, they hear differently than everyone else. And they only speak what they hear. I'm telling you to be deaf to the things of the world and listen to God. And when you hear something that God says, you repeat it. You keep saying it and saying it and saying it until you believe it. And then you say it and you say it and you say it until you see it. That's what prophecy is. It's not denying the mountain. It's speaking to the mountain. I know I'm depressed, but my God, he brings joy in the morning. I know my marriage is dead, but my God resurrects dead things. I know that I'm addicted, but who the sun sets free is free indeed. And some of you need to learn to to hear the word, and then you repeat the word. I love that God says, I want to change the nation of Israel. He didn't send a politician. He didn't send a CEO. He didn't send a general. He sent a preacher to preach his word. And I love that God is standing on the sidelines saying, Ezekiel, I have the power to change everything, but I want you to speak the word. Amen. I wrote down like this. Ezekiel was choosing the promise of God over his problem. You can talk all day about the deadness. You can talk all day about the obstacles. You can talk all day about the lack and the lack of finances, the lack of love, the addiction, or you can speak a different word. And the people of faith, we speak life over dead things. This is, let me, let me just say it like this. This is not like the prosperity gospel where you blab it and grab it, okay? Where you confess it and, and like, it's yours. This is hear it and repeat it. You're saying what God says. You're not a God where you stand in front of a mirror and be like, oh my gosh, I'm awesome. No, you say, my God is living. Yeah. And I love that the word of God created the world. Did you know that? that seven times in the, in the book of Genesis, God said, God said, and God said, the word is powerful. I wrote it down like this. The word of God changes lives. The word of God breaks chains. The word of God sets the captives free. The word of God can do miracles. It can resurrect dead people. The word of God can do supernatural work. Don't believe me? God waited. God waited to resurrect the dead bones until after Ezekiel spoke. Let me say this very boldly. Your depression won't go away until you speak to it. Your marriage won't change until you speak to it. Your addiction won't leave until you speak to it. This is what I need to be reminded of. See, when I, when I declared that our church was dead, I was declaring reality. It was, it was the truth, but I needed to get alone with God. And then God reminded me of a sermon. Please pray for me. This is scary. <laughs> of a sermon I preached a year ago called The Bible is My Foundation. Some of you remember I had those bricks out. And I, I put down six or seven of the life verses that God gave me for this church. And the first one is Joshua 21 that... Not one promise that God gave Israel failed. Not one God 
gave Israel failed. And Isaiah 40 says, uh, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And God gave me Psalm 27, 13 says, surely I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God gave me Romans 8, 28, that God works all things. Someone say all things. All things. For the good of those that love him. And Philippians 4, 19 says, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And Psalm 119 says that I have hidden your word in my heart, God. In Matthew 24, verse 25, and it says, heaven and earth will fade away, but your word will never fade. And you know where faith comes from? Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Some of you need to fill your heart with faith again, with the word again. And I'm not saying that your mountains are going to go away tomorrow. I'm saying they may not go away until you speak to them. And so when faith filled my heart, the words I began to declare over what I saw began to change. Let me give you a vision of what I saw our church becoming. I see a multi-campus church one day. I see a church with thousands of people filling this room, not hundreds. I see leaders and church planners and pastors being developed one day. I see not just one song. I see worship albums being created. I see an international church planning ministry that we're going to plant churches in other cities, in other countries one day. I see a day where hundreds are being saved annually, hundreds are being baptized annually. I see church leaders, business leaders, city leaders, tech leaders, government leaders coming to bold, being influenced by bold, being discipled at bold, and investing in the kingdom of God. I see church planners like bold being sent out to various cities. And this is the part that I love. I, I see buildings of influence donated, given to us, and being purchased by us. I see a day where my children are going to be on this stage leading and preaching. Because this is not just a church for me, but it's a church for my kids. I see a church where families are giving, serving, praying to build the house of God together. And finally, I see a place where miracles become normal. Healings are not only read about and the supernatural events are part of our history. Some of you need to talk to the dead things in your life, not because you're God, but because your God has already spoken. And I wrote it down like this, God begins to move at his word, not your word, but his word in your mouth. Some of you have stopped declaring the word of God over dead things in your life. And the valley only comes back to life by the power of his word. And you can have broken faith, small faith, and listen, even maybe faith. And God's word is so powerful, it will still move. And I wrote it down like this. If faith won't move your mouth, your faith won't work. Some of you need to learn the power of declaration, even when you don't feel like it. Because if you can't speak it, you don't really believe it. And if you don't get in the wheelbarrow, you don't really believe Jesus. Faith is an action, not just a belief. Number two, Ezekiel 37, verse 9 and 10. Then he said,